Teams have demoted a slew of players' anticipation of a roster freeze, but who could still make an impact in 2020? Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have That's not had uh, three go-throughs uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Monday, March 30th. I'm Al Malkior, and I'm here with Derek Van Riper. And uh, DVR, we're going to kick things off here with a question we got as part of the uh, mailbag column that is currently on The Athletic, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. But uh, we solicited questions. We got one that's that's just tailor-made for us here on Fantasy Baseball in 15. So I'm going to get right to this question, DVR, and then we'll uh, we'll address it. Uh, for either a fancy article or a podcast segment, could you guys do an inventory of the key players recently optioned to the minors and their chances of reemerging on 20 minute, 29 man rosters in hopefully June when the games come back? Thanks, Bruce J. So DVR, what uh, Bruce is asking about, of course, is the recent roster moves that have occurred um, in anticipation of the roster freeze that was agreed to by Major League Baseball and the Players Association. So before we get into the particular players, what is your understanding of why the players who have been optioned were in fact optioned and players who weren't optioned, why they're still on Major League rosters? So mostly, I think it's that players who have options remaining, meaning they can be sent down to the minors without being exposed to waivers, they are getting sent down because it allows teams more time to make decisions on the NRI players that they had in camp. Some of the veteran players who signed minor league deals, they were non-roster invites to spring training. Uh, using the Brewers as an example, I think Logan Morrison and Shelby Miller are still a part of the organization. And if things were completely normal, they may have been exposed to waivers, probably would have become free agents if the Brewers hadn't made some sort of arrangement for them to uh, accept playing in the minors. So uh, when you see some of these names that we're going to talk about getting sent down, you're definitely surprised by probably half of the players on the list because they seemed like, if not locks for the opening day roster, at least a very big part of their team's respective plans for the upcoming season. And that doesn't necessarily change just because they've been optioned down right now. They could be up a couple of weeks into the season whenever the season begins. But I think this is to really just buy organizations more time with some veteran players who had opt-outs in their contracts. Yeah, and I liken it to sort of the... the you know, a week or so before the All-Star break when we see some odd moves to uh, to minor league affiliates. And oftentimes it's a pitcher who, you know, just gets their turn skipped. And they're like, whoa, you know, so-and-so was pitching really well. <laughs> Why are they going to, you know, single A? Uh, and a lot of times it's just a procedural move. So, yeah, I, I agree that a lot of these names are surprising. And some of them are going, you know, just a procedural move. And one particular uh, tweet that I saw that I thought was a good, at least partial explanation of this came from Jeff Fletcher of the Orange County Register. And he was explaining that if somebody is on the major league roster and they get hurt working out during this um, time of, of no baseball, uh, and then, you know, when baseball ramps up again and they're still hurt, they have to go on the major league injured list and get service time and, and salary. So, uh, you know, there's certainly a, uh, appears a financial consideration here too. So I think you got to take some of these moves with a grain of salt, but, you know, we'll answer Bruce's question because I think it's, it's still a good one. Uh, now, probably 
the biggest name or maybe one of the more surprising names uh, that was involved with a, an option recently was Michael Kopech, but we talked about him on last Friday's show. So let's start with a trio of Rays moves. They actually sent down several players, uh, but I think the three that were the most sort of jarring to see in black and white were uh, Randy Arazarena, Nate Lowe, and Brendan McKay. So which... Well, which one do you think will ultimately have the biggest impact in 2020, assuming there is a season? And just, you know, each individually, how do you see them contributing? I think McKay probably has the greatest impact because any of those Rays starters, Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, Tyler Glasnow, Ryan Yarbrough, Yanni Chirinos, any one of those five guys could get hurt. And a couple of those guys, Yarbrough and Chirinos, as well as they've pitched in the last season plus, they're not so entrenched that they can keep their spot if they go through a stretch of you know maybe even four or five starts where they really get knocked around. Um, so I think McKay is probably like their sixth starter right now. Maybe he's the seventh guy if they like Trevor Richards as more of an up-and-down sort of guy. But I think McKay did a lot in the minors last season, in the upper levels especially, that impressed me. I know the debut itself wasn't that great with the Rays overall, but this is still a very talented player. And I think the part of Bruce's question that um, is really interesting is, you know, the 29 man roster, we don't know how big the rosters are going to be, but the Rays have so much depth and the quality of the players they sent down is reflection of that. All three of those guys would be on the roster potentially if it became a 29 man roster this season. So it would create more headaches for us as far as the mixing and matching of playing time with guys like a Rosarena and Lowe. Uh, but I, I see McKay as having probably the the best path back to the big leagues, and all three are capable of making an impact. I mean, with Nate Lowe, this is a guy that was hitting in the heart of the order at times when he was with the big league club a year ago, and Arena is just, like, the Rays have a type, right? They have this, this type, and it's talented guys that make a lot of contact, and then they find a way to tap into more power, and that just makes me optimistic about Arena. The fact that the Rays traded for him makes me interested in him as a player if the opportunity arises. Yeah, and there were there were quotes from Kevin Cash where he was saying, I expect all these players to make an impact at some point, and I'm not sure how much you can really bank on that, but I, I found it somewhat encouraging. Uh, I do think all three could could make an impact. And I'll, I'll pick it back off of what you said about Brendan McKay and, and maybe even go a little further in that. I Actually, I think he was pretty impressive even in the time that he spent in the majors last year. It's just he has had the 5.14 ERA, uh, a ridiculously low strand rate that's certain to be much better uh, the next uh, season that he pitches in, uh, just 64%. A high BABIP rate that oftentimes when you see that, it's it's at least somewhat earned, but I don't really see it in McKay's case. I think he ran into a lot of bad luck and probably should have had an ERA at least a run lower. And Sierra agrees with me about that. And you know, who am I to argue with Sierra? Um, so... Uh, for those who may not be familiar, Sierra is one of the uh, many ERA estimators that's out there. And actually, they had um, McKay at 4.17. So I think he's sort of like in the Mitch Keller type category where I think he, McKay gets a little underrated based on the surface stats and, and could be a, a really huge breakout player in 2020. Yeah, I've been higher than the field on him, I think, with my rankings at this point. And once I update those next, he'll come down a little bit because of the temporary demotion 
Uh, but 56 Ks in 49 innings last season, you know, 16 walks, not bad either for a guy getting that first opportunity at the big league level. Didn't really have control issues in the minors and, and really wasn't tested until he reached Tampa Bay. So I'm still pretty optimistic about Brendan McKay, both in the short term and especially in the long run. Yeah, I am as well. Well, let's uh, stick with some pitchers here. Uh, the Cardinals sending down a couple of players that you know certainly were at minimum on the, the bubble, it would have appeared, to uh, break camp in a normal season. Alex Reyes and Genesis Cabrera. Uh, Reyes, I've really been avoiding for some time just because of all the injuries, even though I think that that upside is still there. Uh, but do you see anything here for either of these pitchers uh, for 2020? Yeah, I think both are probably going to get their chances. And I think with Reyes, I I always like the talent, but it has been just an amazingly rough track record for him trying to stay on the mound. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out what his role is actually going to be. Are yeah. they just going to say he's a late-inning reliever? Are they going to try and continue to develop him as a starter? Like, I just I, I don't have a good feel for that at this point. So that's part of the reason why... I was staying away from him. Uh, Cabrera, maybe this is a case where he's a bigger part of their plans than this procedural move would lead us to believe. But at the same time, he wasn't really a guy who I looked at as you know a source of saves. If he was in the bullpen, and if he was a starter, I, I didn't really see enough there to get excited about in the short term. He's more of a wait-and-see guy. He's been young for the level at most of his minor league stops, so I think the numbers could be a little bit deceiving. But I wanted to see some results against big league hitters before really putting any sort of stock into him. Yeah, no, I think that's that's fair enough. So, yeah, neither pitcher is really one that I'm expecting a lot out of uh, this season. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc to help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off of your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com. And enter the promo code BASEBALL at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com. Enter the promo code BASEBALL for 25% off of your first order. Uh, Let's uh, pivot to a hitter here. Uh, Monty Harrison, one of those players recently sent down, and actually I think one of the last ones to get sent down before the freeze went into effect. And on the surface, if you look at the Marlins depth chart, it it would seem like Harrison might have a, a ways... Uh, to wait to make it uh, to the major league level, at least in a, uh, a significant role. But I think that the, the, the you know, the barricades that are <laughs> up before him, that they could, they could be worked around pretty easily. So, you know, wh- where do you see him fitting in for the Marlins this season? Yeah, I, I look at that outfield and I see, you know, Corey Dickerson is a guy that probably won't finish the year in Miami. He'll probably be on a contending team via some kind of midseason trade. I see Jonathan Villar atop the depth chart in center field, and we know he's versatile enough to move around as needed, so I don't see him as a major roadblock. You see guys like Lewis Brinson, who probably gets a pretty good look again in 2020 before the Marlins decide if they're going to move on from him or just kind of lower their expectations to the point where he's more of like a bench player. 
Uh, Matt Joyce isn't really going to block anybody from making an impact. So I, I could see Harrison being one of the early position player call-ups who can actually make an impact in fantasy in large part uh, because of his efficiency as a base dealer. This is a guy who went 20 for 22 as a base dealer at AAA last year in just 56 games. He does draw walks. He adds power to that as well. So really an exciting player uh, who I think is very close to making an impact at the big league level. Yeah, I just I could see him settling in uh, in, in right field, possibly even if they do keep VR in center field. Uh, you know, Brinson maybe this is the year that he can live up to the hype, but um, you know he hasn't done it as of yet. And Matt Joyce, I think he could be somebody that gets discarded or at least demoted to a bench role fairly early in the season, particularly if he doesn't start well. So that that opportunity is certainly there for Monty Harrison. Uh, the Indians, this one was head-turning, sending down Aaron Savali, Zach Plezak, and James Karinchak, and particularly with uh, Savali and Plezak, uh, who I think Savali was pretty much assumed to be a part of the rotation. Plezak uh, had, I think, a decent chance and may still very well have a decent chance. And Karinchak could wind up being their, you know, second best reliever. So uh, do you think that each of these pitchers could wind up playing significant roles? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm really surprised that Adam Plitko and Jeffrey Rodriguez are, are still on the roster and, you know, Plesek and Savali aren't. But again, I think this has more to do with technicalities and, and balancing things out than how Cleveland actually views those pitchers relative to one another. I mean, Karinchak is probably their second best reliever right now, just based on, on pure yeah. stuff. Maybe even has better stuff than Brad Hand already. It's just a matter of whether or not he has the command to really knock down or lock down a, a late inning role. So all three of those guys to me seem like they're a much, much bigger part of the Cleveland plan in 2020 uh, than their demotions would suggest. Yeah. And I think part of this too is that Adam Plutko does not have any options remaining. So I'm not sure what the explanation is for Jeffrey Rodriguez, but uh, you know, certainly the, the Plutko status uh, would, would seem to have something to do with that. Uh, let's go back to another hitter here. And, you know, you talked about Monty Harrison and his steals potential. Willie Castro, uh, has been, you know, I mean, you can't really pencil him in as like a necessarily a 20 to 25 steal guy if he were to play full time, but he's been pretty steady in that regard in the minor leagues. And, you know, even if we had a normal season here, he probably wouldn't have a starting role, but I think it's very much like Harrison also in the the fact that you could find ways to get Castro into that Tigers lineup pretty easily. And yet he was sent down. So uh, at what point in the season, uh, you know, percentage wise, since we don't know when it'll actually start, but you know, what, you know, fraction of the season, do you think we could see Willie Castro? I think we see him within the first quarter of the 2020 season. I see Willie Castro as a guy who doesn't have much left to prove in the minors, he reminds me of Kevin Newman in a lot of ways in terms of his rotisserie profile. Uh, I think you're talking about a guy that can actually be a good source of batting average, really nice source of stolen bases. He offers a little bit of pop to go with it. And because he's on a rebuilding team, I think there's a chance that Willie Castro leads off for the Tigers pretty soon after he gets the call up to Detroit. So uh, he's one of those guys that in draft and hold leagues and AL only leagues, I've been kind of picking up anywhere I can. And I think once he gets the opportunity later this season, Willie Castro is going to be one of those players who I'm a little bit higher on than most uh, once the ad drops column around his call-up is written. 
All right. We, one last pairing here for the Yankees. Players we've talked about uh, you know, earlier in the year, Davey Garcia and Michael King. Has that status changed for them with uh, you know, James Paxton you know, almost certainly being ready whenever the season uh, resumes? And should they remain on our uh, radar? I think they're on the radar more for like, AL-only reserves, draft and hold, uh, probably more just as pickups, though, in mixed leagues once they get the chance because with Cole, Paxton, Tanaka, Hap, Montgomery, that's the starting five. I mean, assuming Paxton continues to make the progress that he's been making recently in his recovery, uh, they have Jonathan Loisega there who can kind of move between the back of the rotation and the bullpen. Maybe he's the swingman at this point. So I, I think they have enough there where Garcia and King could be brought along with a little more time at AAA before they eventually make an impact at some point. Probably more like second half call-ups unless a round of injuries hits the Yankees once things eventually ramp back up. All right, yeah, and you never know. That that could happen. There's certainly a precedent for that. So, uh, well, anyways, thank you for the uh, question, Bruce. Uh, gave us an excuse to talk about some interesting players here. And let's go to the uh, out-of-the-park giveaway. We're going to do this again this week. On Friday, our winner was Matt Kaloje. And Matt, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. Uh, he correctly identified Ricky Romero as the pitcher with the largest year-to-year ERA increase in the 2010s. Here's the question for uh, Monday. And as always, uh, DM your responses to me on Twitter at Al Melchior BB, A-L-M-E-L-C-H-I-O-R-B-B. And the question is, and this one I plucked right from the Out of the Park game. It's a good one, I think. Who was the last pitcher to no-hit the Cubs? That is today's trivia question. Who was the last pitcher to no-hit the Cubs? DM me your responses. Correct responses go into a drawing for a free game key for Out of the Park Baseball 21. And just to remind you, uh, we made reference to the mailbag column, fantasy mailbag, lopsided dynasty deals, top 200, top 200 to hitter sleepers, and more. Nando DeFino put that together and did a great job. Do check that out. And that's going to be all for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, we are running a three-month free trial, or you can get a 40% off discount on a subscription. Just go to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. Everything that we do is part of that subscription. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review, we, as always, would greatly appreciate it if you did do that. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier. We'll be back here on Tuesday.